Hello, good morning, happy Friday. Welcome to the NTT20 betting show with George Ellick on the line with me, Ali Maxwell. We're going through the weekend's EFL slate. And, well, is it tricky? How's it looking for you this weekend, George? Yeah, it's looking okay, I think. Uh, Nothing too exciting, but a couple that I'm quite keen on. I seem to have ended up with a lot of away teams, which uh, I'm not really sure what that says. (laughs) Maybe... For the first time ever, I've got home teams. Except, okay. Uh, yeah. That's good. So, all right. That's mm. good. I was worried that all the all the home sides were too short, but you've obviously found some value somewhere. Um, uh, this show is for over 18s only. Just a reminder to anyone listening that there are uh, a lot of risks that come with gambling. This show is about betting, uh, and we ask that you be gamble aware. Never bet more than you can afford to lose, please. George, what's your best selection? What's your nap in the EFL this weekend? Uh, my nap in the EFL is in a match that we previewed on the Going Up, Going Down podcast. I, I realise I realize that in phrasing the question like that, it made it sound like you've got loads of naps in loads of other divisions. No, no, I don't. I don't know. It's a game we previewed on our, on our new podcast for The Athletic, uh, Going Up, Going Down, which I can recommend that you download and Great listen pod. to after this one. Oh, it's so good. Uh, that's the end of the heat of the, um, yeah, of the, of the clang. Uh, and it's Swindon at home to Exeter. Um, first plays second, both of them coming on the back of a couple of defeats in midweek. Um, Swindon travelled to Colchester and lost 3-1. Uh, no real embarrassment uh, when Colchester are at their best. They're a very, very good team in this league. And it was a fairly level game with Swindon just lacking that cut- cutting edge up top. Exeter, on the other hand, um, were beaten by Port Vale 3-1, which is a result that they can probably have a bit more angst over I would say uh, conceding three goals is not something they've done many times this season uh, especially to a side like Port Vale who rarely are free scoring so taking out of those games who is the side who come out of it worse I'd probably say Exeter um, with Swindon I always feel like there is um, something of a kind of bounce back ability that they have um, that they've shown pretty regularly um, even just a couple of weeks ago them being beaten by Newport uh, bouncing back very quickly to beat Port Vale uh, next time up and they're a side who you don't really seem to to rest on their laurels when it comes to to uh well they don't seem to panic in, in the face of adversity um and obviously quite a big part of this bet is what's happened over the last 48 hours where what a saga about, what a saga it's we're been talking about we're talking about a Swindon team on in midweek on Tuesday against Colchester who lacked a cutting edge and um, it's fair to say they haven't lacked a cutting edge so far this season with Jerry Yates and uh, Owen Doyle scoring about 742 goals between them so far this season and losing them both back to their parent clubs was always going to be difficult but they have both returned I hope I'm keeping the biased angst out of my voice (laughs) Uh, but they both returned and that is going to make a massive difference Uh, we have to assume that they will both start in this game, um, we have to assume that any memories of the midweek defeat will, from the fans or any negativity that surrounds it will probably be f- pretty quickly banished. Um, I mentioned on the Going Up, Going Now podcast that there is uh, quite a weird statistical wrinkle in this game where um, over the past decade, uh, these, these two teams have played 13 times and Swindon have only won one of those and that was in the meaningless uh, Johnson's paint trophy as well. So, um, Do you put much importance a, into uh, historical head-to-head uh, stats? I don't, I don't. But then I kind of feel like this one is a little bit different because even though it's not, it's not a rivalry. Um, it's still a game that happens quite regularly between two sides that aren't too far apart in an area where there isn't much football going on. Um, so I, I kind of, 
have a I'll put one percent more onus onto it because I think this is a game that Swindon will want to get one over Exeter. <laughs> it's a big swing, um, and especially given the state at the top end of the table, whoever wins this is going to be putting themselves in a in a really strong position to get automatic promotion. And I think Swindon are the team who are likely to do that. Um, I think that they have a very very good chance of winning the match, and at twenty three to twenty against a side, an Exeter side will come here licking their wounds, but but certainly not feeling like the team who, you know, they went into that Port Vale game having kept four consecutive clean sheets. Um, that is not the case anymore. And I think that Doyle and, and Yates will provide, uh, you know, that, that goal-scoring threat that, that Swindon lapped on at midweek. And then we also saw in their last home game that they beat Port Vale 3-0 without those two players, with, with other players coming to the fore as well, because we know that this Rich, Richie Wellens team plays a style of football um, that is uh, that is hard to stop. So Swindon at twenty three to twenty is my nap. Okay, nice, really nice. Uh, I'm Thank going you. to League One. Uh, I'm going to pick Lincoln to beat Southend away from home. Uh, it's twenty one to twenty two point zero five uh, as we record on Friday morning, and uh, this is because I think that Southend are in something of a, a tough spot. Some would say they're in disarray uh, now. It, it might sound a bit weird to say that because clearly their start to the season uh, and what's transpired since has them as pretty much the worst League One team we've ever seen. Uh, but also uh, people will know that, that the results have, in a very small way, uh, ticked up since Christmas. Three draws, one win and one defeat. So uh, in that sense, uh, things haven't been too bad at Southend. But the last week has seen some... Some pretty bizarre goings on. Um, from from an external point of view, it seems fairly clear that the owners of the club, the board, or the owner, I should say, uh, is uh, clearing the decks, I suppose, somewhat uh, ahead of what, what we consider to be a pretty nailed-on relegation. Just a reminder that Southend are 15 points from safety and they only have 13 points themselves. So uh, I think it's fair to say Southend are getting relegated and the chairman is happy, therefore, to sell some of their uh, high earners. Uh, Simon Cox obviously went to uh, Western Sydney in the A-League. Tom Hopper has joined Lincoln, who I've picked. Uh, So that's one to watch. I've no doubt he'll score against his uh, old club uh, and also Nathan Bishop looks like he's going to be moving to Manchester United which is quite exciting 20 year old goalkeeper um, there's a few more potential sales there's also a an injury crisis not ideal uh, local journal Chris Phillips uh, wrote out the amount of players available to Sol Campbell tomorrow I think there's 16 players available. I make at least five, possibly six or seven of them teenagers. Uh, it's going to be, as always, a pretty young South End side. And uh, look, uh, there's also been some uh, unusual statements and comments from Sol Campbell, which is, you know, which is not surprising. Uh, he is someone who expresses himself in an unusual way, in a way that that, that is not really reminiscent of of many football managers, and uh, can be quite refreshing, but. Uh, he is certainly cutting a frustrated figure at the moment. There was one weird story this week where he said he didn't actually know where striker Stephen Humphreys was uh, as he had hurt his nose. They weren't sure if it was broken or not. Humphreys replied with a statement saying, yeah, yeah, uh, if you checked on me, I, w- I was just having it a scan on it uh, near my near my home. So uh, clearly not in great nick all round. Uh, Lincoln, don't get me wrong, are no great shakes away from home. I think there's two away wins for Lincoln this season. 
so they've struggled to pick up wins on the road, but I don't think they're going to struggle a Roots Hall. I think it could be fairly toxic. The chairman released a statement last night. The reaction to it has not been very good, as, as you might expect. This has been probably the worst season that, that South End fans have had, certainly in, in their modern history, certainly in my memory. And, um, and despite Lincoln losing their top scorer, the second top scorer in League One, Tyler Walker, recalled by Nottingham Forest, uh, which is a big blow for them. I think that uh, in Hopper and in John Jules, they have, in this game at least, the tools to uh, cause problems to this shaky Southend backline. So yeah, Lincoln, uh, 2.05 uh, best price. They're away at Southend. That's my nap. Uh, what's next for you? Next for me, uh, I'm heading to the championship, the unpredictable championship. Um, and I'm going for Blackburn to turn over Middlesbrough at 9-4. to four. Uh with Middlesbrough, it was pretty surprising to see them suddenly go from being one of the worst teams in the league to being uh, to basically dropping all of their season pros, calling up a bunch of youth team players, and suddenly becoming one of the top ten teams in the championship. Yeah, when you put it like that, that that is surprising, isn't it? It was. It was quite weird with a rookie manager who <laughs> who kind of hadn't yet shown any real um, tactical nous thus far. Um, but credit where credit is due because they, I mean, they did look good for a bit. It wasn't just where they were getting lucky results. But results have turned since that run um, of, of four wins on the bounce. Um, their last three performances have been against Derby, Fulham and Birmingham. They've picked up two points in those three games and the performances themselves have been pretty, pretty poor. Um, they didn't offer enough against Fulham in the game that we covered live on Sky. Uh, they went, they, they hosted Birmingham um, and it was an Ashley Fletcher equaliser in the 81st minute that spared their blushes there um, in a game that was, was pretty level. Um, and you know they went behind in the 20 in the 27th minute. I was at uh, Hillsborough a couple of weeks ago to see Blackburn absolutely batter Sheffield Wednesday 5-0. Uh, a lot of people will point at that result and say that the red card changed the game, which is probably true in terms of the, of the final scoreline, but. The game was already heading towards Tony Mowbray's side before the red card. They were one 0 up. Uh, they were dominating the game. They were the better side, and the you know playing against ten men for sixty minutes certainly enabled them to be more comfortable. But if you'd have asked me who the likely winner was uh, at that stage, there was absolutely no question that it was that it was Blackburn. Uh, Bradley Dack uh, and his absence through injury is is an issue for them, but they do have talent around the pitch. It's a, it kind of feels like a well balanced side now. Mm. Um, with Travis and, and Downing putting the strings in the middle of the park, Travis doing all of Downing's running, and Downing still possessing the passing ability to unlock teams, with Holtby playing in that more advanced role now that the Dak's out and, and you know scoring two goals at um, scoring two goals at Hillsborough. What they can, were just uh, very solid. What, what can Stuart Downing hit from sixty yards? A, a mosquito's nipple. A mosquito's nipple. There you go. And uh, and and they also were very good against QPR last time out. Again, they followed up that five 0 win with a with, with another good victory, and they're unbeaten in three. It just it just seems like a, a similar performance from Blackburn as recent weeks, a similar performance from Middlesbrough of recent weeks. Um, the nine to four you're getting, uh, five to two actually with, with, with the uni bet. The five to two you're getting uh, around about Blackburn is is very generous indeed. Nice. Okay. And next up, uh, League Two for me, Northampton. Uh, away at Macclesfield. Now, on the Going Up, Going Down pod yesterday, which is available for free on all podcast platforms, but is on a separate feed, of course, to this. So make sure that you are subscribed to that and give that a go. It, it's uh, 
it's a weekend preview, but it's lots of other things as well. And uh, we think that you will enjoy it. Certainly my EFL rewind this week was uh, was very enjoyable. A look back at Jermaine Defoe's famous loan spell at Bournemouth in the year 2000. And if you don't know about that, then it's even more reason to go and listen to that. Uh, but also on that podcast yesterday, in the team or player or manager in focus section, uh, you had a breakdown of the current situation at Macclesfield after a, another concerning bit of reporting from Matt Slater of The Athletic uh, really sort of shining a light on, on uh, the issues at the club, which we've spoken about a fair amount, which I think everyone more or less understands now, but also the snags which are, are sort of holding up any potential sale. Uh, it's it's a really tricky situation. There's been more reporting this week that uh, a few of the Macclesfield players have requested uh, that their contracts be cancelled so that they can find other clubs, which you can absolutely understand from a job security point of view for them. And of course, the team have been doing uh, remarkably well in these circumstances. And uh, this isn't necessarily about uh, Macclesfield being in disarray because although they are off the pitch, uh, I, I think that on the pitch... Now on their third manager of the season, Mark Kennedy is doing as, as good a job as, as McMahon was doing before him in, in keeping this team competitive. Uh, the problem for them this weekend, in my eyes, uh, on the pitch is that they're up against a, a really impressive Northampton team, uh, a really professional Northampton team, a really effective Northampton team and a side who, uh, after a poor start to the season, have been one of the the real emerging challenges, uh, along with, I suppose, Plymouth, who I've banged on about so much in the last few weeks since mid-October in League Two. Uh, Northampton have picked up 34 points from 16 games, so that's over two points per game. Uh, Only Swindon have picked up more points, but they've played a game more, uh, and Plymouth have picked up 34 as well, but in just 15 games. So it really is Points per game-wise, we're looking at, at Plymouth, Northampton and Swindon, uh, who in the last, what's that, two and a half, three and a half months uh, have been the best sides in the league. So they have been moving up the league uh, as well. In the playoff places at the moment, uh, it's 10 wins from those 16 games. Yeah, and and, and professional and efficient, I, I, you know, I know that conjures up uh, images of, of plenty of direct football and uh, play, uh, winning lots of physical battles. And, I, you know, I think that's fair. And I don't think that's a surprise, uh, given that Keith Curl uh, has been around in this division for a, a fair amount of time now. And in general, his teams have been very successful uh, in playing this style. So uh, Nicky Adams is, is really the star. He's got 10 assists. He played brilliantly uh, in midweek as well. Uh, they've got, uh, they sort of really share the goals around going forward. There's no one, um, there's no one option up front, but they've got, they've got a few target men in Vidane Oliver. And Harry Smith, they've got a few sort of poachers in, in Williams and Hoskins. But it's really a strong spine, Turnbull and Charlie Goode, especially the star men for them. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go for a Northampton away win at Macclesfield this weekend. That's 2.15, to 20. Next up, George. Uh, next up is another game. Uh, another game that we covered on the Going Up, Going Down podcast that you covered in depth. And it's a top of the... well. A higher end of the table clash in League One between Portsmouth and Sunderland. Uh, and two teams who you could probably say, if you were to select the two sides at the moment in League One, along with Rotherham, who are the kind of informed sides, uh, Sunderland having uh, turned their form around under Phil Parkinson since kind of since the new year. 
uh, getting a, a decent result at Tranmere midweek, getting a 1-0 win in what is obviously very, very difficult circumstances um, after dropping their first points for a while against Doncaster on Friday night. And Portsmouth are just rampant. Um, there's no other way to really put it. They've, they've only lost three of their last 27 games in all competitions. Um, you know, you mentioned the other day, Ali, that there isn't, you know, that because of the nature of League One, there just isn't really a good side. And, and I think that Portsmouth are the, are the only ones you could say are because they had such a poor start to the season. Um, and, and that's the only reason why we're not seeing them at the moment as the class team in the league. And it does feel to me like just a matter of time. Uh, if they keep their level of dominance over other teams in League One up, they're going to hit the top pretty soon. So a little bonus tip for you that, that you know the 13-2 to two that you can get about Pompey winning the league, I think, is way, way too big. Uh, and I know that you do too. Although some shrewdies like yourself were on at 10-1 to one a couple of days ago. So, um, But, I, I mean, their home form at Fratton Park is, is pretty ridiculous. Uh, since, since dropping uh, a couple of points to Oxford on the 2nd of, of November... They've won uh, five games and, and drawn one uh, of their last six. They haven't lost at home in the league since April, uh, where they were beaten 3-2 against Peterborough. And then you have to go back even further to a 1-0 defeat against Blackpool in January for, for, for the second one. So under Kenny Jacket, this team is just a bit of a machine at Fratton Park. Uh, and you know, for Sunderland, there isn't really a negative for Sunderland here. Um, I think we saw against Doncaster when they come up against resolute defences, they maybe still lack a bit of a cutting edge. Um, I'm not convinced that Kyle Lafferty coming off the bench is a positive thing at all, which is probably what they'll do again if if, if the game is tight with 20 minutes to go. I don't think that's a, that's a substitution that improves them. Um, and but I mean they're they're a good side. I just think that given given Portsmouth's history, given how good they are at home, and, and given you know how many games they win at home, to quote to anything over even money for them to win a match at home in League One is is too big. So. At six to five, I think they rank as a pretty strong bet. Yeah, nice. Okay, uh, I'm picking a Brentford to win at Hull. They are just over even money, twenty-one to twenty. Feels like that is basically all of my picks, more or less away teams at very very similar prices this weekend. Uh, it, it's 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 down to a couple of things. Uh, I am on as. Some listeners will know the Matchbook podcast, which I host, which is another betting podcast. And uh, on that pod yesterday, Nick Goff, who is uh, w- one of my favourite uh, people to listen to when it comes to football and betting, uh, he flagged up bees for this game. And one of his main points is that certainly since the start of October, every time Brentford have lost a game, They've reacted really, really well. Uh, so when they lost to Forest in October, they then beat Millwall 3-2. When they lost to Huddersfield in November, they beat Wigan 3-0. When they lost to uh, Blackburn, they then beat Luton 7-0. Then they lost to Sheffield Wednesday and followed it up with a win at Cardiff. Lost to Millwall uh, and then beat Bristol City 4-0. Uh, and obviously lost to Nottingham Forest. Really disappointing very Brentford-esque performance uh, against a, a resolute Forest side. Uh, so I do think that, that there's clearly something about them, something about Thomas Frank, which elicits a reaction, which is a positive here. It's also partly down to the fact that they're a good side. We think they're a good side. There's no surprise there. Uh, but also Hull-related. I think this was where I was coming at, really. When the news broke yesterday evening that Jared Bowen has had a bid from Crystal Palace, uh, having uh, has then attracted the late interest from West Ham. I've seen this morning, I think he's having a medical with West Ham. Uh, it looks like that will go through. 
Uh, I feel, you know, as you do, quite sorry for Hull in this situation. Uh, it, it's it's not something that they can really do much about uh, when it comes to Bowen and, and, and trying to get the highest price that they can for him. But um, what it does mean is, al- along with the potential sale of Kamil Grasitsky, who's had a bid accepted by West Brom, I think, uh, fairly, the fans are sort of feeling really deflated here. I mean, it's still we're still in January, about to move into February. We're about to get into the, the business end of the season. And the club are, are basically forced to sell their two best attacking players. Now, they're eight points outside the playoffs anyway. A, a playoff run, a playoff appearance looked pretty unlikely. They've just been too inconsistent, even with those guys. But from a fan perspective, it, it, it is a blow. And I just feel like the... The place might be quite deflated tomorrow, might be quite disappointed. They're, they're two fantastic players that have captured the imagination of, of the, the fan base for the last two years uh, and they're basically both leaving on the same day uh, and then the next day the club have to play against one of the best teams in the league. So uh, I'm feeling pretty good that Brentford could do the business at uh, sort of deflated Hull City uh, on the weekend and, and that's 21-20, to 20, which leaves bonus bets. Yeah, I'm sticking with your game. I, I complete. We had a, a text tussle this morning about who was going to be able to get Brentford, um, and because uh, I agree with you that they are a massive price, even though that price is going pretty quickly. Uh, the other angle that I'm going to come at it at is that Jared Bowen is, is Hull's quite clearly Hull's biggest goal threat, um, and he's not going to be playing. Kamil Krasitsky is probably probably their second biggest goal threat. Um, sorry, Tom Eaves and their chief creator most of the times and it's pretty unlikely that he's going to be playing either so you're cutting off two quite big supply lines for Hull as you've mentioned and therefore in the, in the first goal scorer market whilst the price of Brentford is moving uh, taking out two of Hull's you know chief goal impact players means that Watkins price and Boomer's price and probably Ben Rama's price should probably be moving a touch as well um, I'm going to stick with Watkins just because every time I try and be clever with a with a Brentford first goal scorer bet, um, it seems to block my face when Watkins nods in from two yards. Uh, we have a lot of faith in in the way that uh, Thomas Frank has been playing. We have a lot of faith in, in Ollie Watkins after his amazing exploits so far this season. Um, and he's a player who, despite some speculation earlier uh, in the campaign, he's not going to be going anywhere. He will be playing. So he's 17-4 to four to score first with uni bet. He's 15 to four if you want to have the each way um, play, which is probably the way I, I, I would go at 15 to four with, with Bet365. But Watkins FGS is my bonus selection. Yeah, I've got two quick ones. Uh, I'm actually going to pair your man, uh, Ollie Watkins, with our friend Ronan Curtis of Portsmouth. Uh, Pompey, you've picked to beat Sunderland. I think that he's shown over the last few months that. He is their number one goal threat. He's already scored first in, in many of the games in, that they've won in the last few months. And it's a nice homage to our trip to Ireland uh, earlier on in the week. Uh, the Republic of Ireland winger and the Pompey winger, Ronan Curtis, in a double with Watkins is about 30-1. to one. Uh, But also a centre-back first goal scorer, of course. Uh, Rotherham's set-piece record is an absolute joke. I, I think they've scored... I think they've scored 21 set-piece goals, according to who scored, and the next best is 11. So they've they've scored almost twice as many set-pieces as any other team in the league, 10 more, in fact. And that is just a ridiculous edge to have. That's exactly why we, uh, we do talk about teams who are good at set-pieces, because... You know, there are some teams in their division who will have only scored about 30 goals. And here's Rotherham, who have scored 21 just from set play opportunities. Uh, in fact, they've scored more goals than Bolton have 
in all assets, in all aspects of play, uh, just from set pieces. So uh, I, I, I also think it's a good matchup against a Burton team who are quite small, quite technical, uh, and teams like that tend to struggle with set pieces. Uh, and uh, I think Michael Ihikwe, big man at the back for Rotherham, fantastic season he's having. He's available at 33-1 to to score first. So he is... Uh, yeah, he's my pick, 33-1. to 1. Uh, I've mentioned Burton there, so I'll give a little quick tease for those who have made it this far on the pod. Saturday, 5pm, the next episode of NTT20 Meets will be released. Uh, I sat down with Nigel Clough, the Burton manager. Cluffy! <laughs> yes, that, I don't think anyone calls him Cluffy. He, he's got... He's got quite a lot of authority at Burton. I don't imagine anyone's running around shouting Clough, that at him. Clough the Magic Dragon. Yes, Mr. Nigel that Clough. Was the, that was the name of the Burton Albion forum. Uh, I don't know if it still is, but it certainly used to be. That's really nice. Well, he has clearly had a, an amazing uh, career as manager of Burton, but also uh, interesting spells with Derby and Sheffield United discussed. Uh, really interesting to hear his perspectives and a, and a really honest interview as well, which is what we always ask for from our NTT20 Meets guests. So I hope you enjoy that one over the weekend. George and I will be back on Monday with the Monday pod. Looking forward to that as well. Big weekend in the EFL. Thanks very much for listening, guys. And best of luck with all your weekend bets.